It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Golazzo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me is Manu Vets. Manu, how have you been? Uh, I feel a little lonely this week, there's no Oli. It's, it's sad, he's he's busy watching Swedish, Swedish that's football, it. eating meatballs. That's it, more into Scandinavian football, and I hear just in his spare time he's hanging around Ikea, so... Makes sense. You need to scout these players that play in the second division in Sweden. I'm pretty sure they, they need day jobs. So working in Ikea, eating meatballs. Um, what else do Swedish people do? Don't know, really. Um, I've never been. I'd, oh. I'd like to check it out. Husqvarna is a big thing in Sweden. The, the, the saw. We used to use that when I, when I used to work as a lumberjack to finance my studies. Husqvarna. Oh. Yeah. There we go. Well. And drive Volvos. Volvos. So he's probably <laughs> doing that. He's hanging out at the Volvo dealership, checking out Husqvarna's and, uh, his scouts players at Ikea. That's, that's surely it, what he's doing on a Tuesday night, right? I can't imagine what else he'd be doing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all, all not that. When you think about it, this is supposed to be a Mexican football show and we're talking about Swedish things. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, that's it. Hopefully we'll get him back one day, you know, if he's not hanging around Ikea or Stockholm, something like that. But, but anyway, let's get to Mexican football, right? Interesting stuff has been happening. Um, I, I feel this week we're going to start, um, obviously not with El Trey and not with Liga MX, but we're going to start with Porto. Uh, Porto are in the Champions League doing very well in the Portuguese domestic division as well. The, Primera Liga, I believe that's called. Um, they're sitting in top in that, but um, they don't face Liverpool midweek in Champions League. And we, we feel that we need to acknowledge the three Mexicans that they have in their squad. They they seem to have um, put together you know, a, a hell of a run this season after a few years uh, off. And um, Manu, you and I obviously knew that there was Mexican players in their team, but we, we feel that... We should probably highlight them ahead of such um, a big stage in the season for them. And it's going into a rather large game against them. Um, well, a team close to my heart, Liverpool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I believe it was uh, Gabriele Macotti who wrote an article in the Times. Yeah. Um, highlighting some of the things that we are going to mention. And the, the fact that Porto were very smart. You know, Porto is, is, of course, one of the, the big teams in, in Portuguese football, but at the same time, when you take the three teams that you always see dominating the league, Sporting, Benfica, um, from the capital, Lisbon, right, and Porto, uh, of the three, Porto's actually the smallest team because they come from a slightly smaller city and they have a slightly smaller budget than the other two, so they have to do things always a little bit different. And uh, I remember back in the 1990s when they they had their first dominant spell. They they used to I think it was a squad full of Brazilian players, right? And back then they had a rule in Portuguese football that you um, because Brazil, of course, used to be part of the Portuguese Empire, that you could just uh, nationalize Portuguese uh, Brazilians. So they had all these Brazilians in their squad that they would just hand out passports to, right? Portuguese passports, because back then it was limited how many foreigners you could have in your squad. So I always thought that was always very fascinating. So they've been always been a bit of a trailblazer when it comes to finding players where no one else is looking for players. And I guess um, they had their recent resurrection um, by looking to Mexico, which is something we encourage 
European teams to do because there's a lot of players to discover there. It's a very good league. Um, I mean, we often point out the many, many players that we see in that league that we like and we think, that, wow, the European team should be going for them. Um, and Porto have done that, right, Bryce? Yeah, very much so. I mean, um, a fantastic article for the Times, by the way, uh, by Gabriel Marcotti. Um, certainly check it out uh, if you're interested in Porto, if Liverpool fan possibly wanting to know a little bit about the upcoming opponents. But also if you're into Mexican football as well, um, he makes a good point that, you know, that we haven't really seen many Mexicans, if we're being honest, um, crack Europe. There's a few, isn't there? I mean, Chicharito, we can say that he's been a, a success, especially in recent weeks. He seems to have had a bit of a revival scoring uh, two goals. Uh, but we maybe haven't seen um, as many as you would expect when, as he points out, they've always been, there or thereabouts anyway, a top 20 FIFA ranked side. And that this does come as a little bit of a surprise. And, they seem to have been a bridge for the South Americans, especially the the Brazilians, in getting them over. Um, even if they've had third or is it third party contracts as well, you know, they seem to have taken advantage of that. Obviously, that is banned. That's a, a thing of the past now. But now they seem to be, um, well, aiming to be somewhat a bridge from Mexico. Over to Portugal, and it's it's we we talked about you know, players um getting involved in culture and kind of embedding, and sometimes you know a, a player coming from the likes of Liga MX to maybe London, you know it's it's a big city, the culture is very different, the weather is very different, the food's very different, you have the different language, uh, going to likes of Portugal can be a little bit of an easier process, you know, than jumping straight in somewhere like that, uh, so. Uh, I feel it, it almost makes sense and it's probably a little bit easier for them, you know, to get on and, and play the football that they want to. And I, I mean, they've got some big characters in there in um, the club captain, Hector Herrera. He's, he's a regular occurrence uh, within that site. Uh, you'll see him fairly, well, fairly consistency. Um, Jesus Corona as well, uh, the mid, another midfielder, you know, um, the Monterey uh, youngster. Uh, well, was youngster, was he's 25 now. You know, a bit more of an attacking player. He's obviously making a regular occurrence as well, and lesser so, but um, further down the back would be uh, Reyes as well, who's who's played um, numerous times for, for El Trey. So uh, it, it's doing great to see the Mexicans then, not just in Europe, but in the Champions League as well, and if they weren't playing uh, Liverpool, I, I think I'd probably be uh, cheering them on and wanting to see them go a little bit further, because it's only going to be a good thing, obviously, for the players themselves, but for El Trey ahead of the uh, World Cup, and I'm promoting, you know, the possibility of, uh, as you said, Manu, scouting in Mexico, bringing these Mexican players uh, to Europe. Yeah, absolutely. I think he cites the example of Hector Herrera, the, the central midfielder, 27-year-old, who is now the captain at Porto and um, how he has been a steal for them. And they, they found him in Pachuca. Um, of course, Pachuca is one of the bigger teams in in Mexico, uh, the recent holder, the, the holder of the, the CONCACAF Champions League title. Um, so, you know, they, they, you wouldn't really think that that's that much of a steal, but for some odd reason... Mm-hmm. They, it has been difficult for Mexicans to come over. And when they do come over, they come over in bunches. I remember in, in the 2000s, early 2000s, um, 2007, when Stuttgart won their last Bundesliga title, they had two Mexicans in the side. And it, it seems like that they always, um, it's the best, the best thing to do is to bring them over in two or threes. Now, of course, at Eintracht Frankfurt, where our friend Marco Fabian is playing and he's finally back from injury and he's doing very well with Eintracht Frankfurt, right? And they, they, uh, on Champions League course, they brought in Salcedo, um, another Mexican, and um, Salcedo is actually doing quite well for Frankfurt as well. It's it's interesting that you bring them in in bunches. And Frankfurt have been another team that has been scouting really well and is trying to find, you know, because they they are looking for niches, and that's the same with Porto. Some teams they need to look for niches and to try to find a league competition that isn't scouted to death, um, hasn't been graced empty by the big European clubs 
I mean, Brazil is a great example. Brazil in the 1990s, um, of course, everyone knew that Brazil was an amazing country, but this was just before, you know, you could basically go online and check everyone's transfer value on Transfermarkt.de on every club on the planet. You couldn't do that. I remember back in the, in the 1990s and early 2000s when we first got internet, I went through the, 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 the player names that some of the Brazilian clubs trying to figure out the names and etc. And they were all, you didn't know them. You know, it wasn't like today where you could just, where you have the stats on a fingertip. So back then teams could still go there and discover these players, right? Find a player playing even in Brazil's top league and sign them. Um, for next to nothing and bring them over to Europe and it would be a steal. And I feel like uh, Liga MX, which is really interesting because it's such a mass-consumed product over here in North America in particular, you still get the sense that as there's in Europe, it's a very a big bit of a hole. I mean, a great example is Transfermarkt.de. Until very recently, they didn't even have all the matches covered on in their stats, right? So um, there's still a lot of holes in that league. And so you, you, as if you're a site like Porto, you can go in there, you can scout it, and you can find gems that even though Mexico has such a good national team, um, they, you, you still are able to discover players. And I find that some clubs are really good at this. They're just good, um, at going for, for these leagues. And I find, um, I, I'm curious to see, you know, if the way transfer values are going, um, how, if more teams are going to go, uh, and, and look at Mexico. Uh, in bringing in players and you know the the add-on is if whenever you bring in the mexican player you bring in a huge market as well i mean eindracht frankfurt have done very well in in mexico and in parts of the united states because they signed marco fabian the same was the case of chicharito at Bayer leverkusen you know these players bring in an enormous amount of market value because uh, we had this number last week right what was it 35 million mexicans live in the united states that number is supposed to be doubling in the next, what was it, until 2030? So, yeah, you know, that's that's big market share. And then Mexico itself is 124 million people. So you're looking you're looking at the, these numbers, and Porto is smart, because, you know, Porto are on the map in Mexico. Um, people watch Porto games because there's Mexicans playing there. And a lot of people will be tuning in from Mexico for this, for this Champions League tie against Liverpool. This will be a very important match there. Yeah, very much so. Um I, I think you're absolutely right in saying that, you know, it's it does bring um, a, a massive market value, doesn't it, when you, when you bring in a Mexican player? But uh, and I suppose you're also right in saying that, you know, we we've got YouTube now, we've got, you know, different apps. You know, you and I are big fans of uh, SofaScore, uh, the app, you know, where we can find so many players, so many statistics. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, they're plenty of these apps out there on websites so it, it makes it almost easy to find players doesn't it um I, even some people turn to the likes of football manager as well yeah. you know to, to find the next big thing you know so, so everyone seems to know every player that's possibly coming through uh, manu the question i'd have for you is we talk about liga mx um, being one of the biggest um if not maybe the biggest um league in the world um outside of europe would you say that that when the league gets more popular, maybe gets more money as it becomes more globalized, uh, something that's a discussion for another day is um, it should be more globalized really at this stage. Um, but do you feel as it gets more globalized, then they're going to start ramping up the the prices for their young talents as they're going to you know, make a bid to try and keep them and therefore they're less likely to to come across the water and, and and play for these european sides that's a good question i mean this is already something that we discussed remember we had tom marshall on one of the problems in mexico is that a lot of talented players do not like to make the jump abroad because the salary is so high in liga mx right it's a it's a league where teams pay and the top teams pay very good money um club america tigres monterey um, to a, a certain extent, Chivas, Chivas, of course, pay a premium because they, they have the policy of only paying, buying, um, local talent, right? Um, Pumas, and we're back going, heading up the table as well. Um, then Tijuana, um, these are all clubs that have, have decent amount of money to their, uh, to their disposal and therefore pay good money to their players. And as a result, 
you have players that are maybe less inclined to go abroad. I mean, this is a phenomenon that we've discussed many times on the Football Grad podcast with Russian players, where Russian players make a lot of money and pay very little taxes and therefore don't go abroad and therefore do not make that next developing step. And I feel Mexico has, in a lot of ways, this, a similar issue to that, that they have a very decent league that is outside of that, um, outside of globalization to a certain extent, can pay a decent amount of money to their players and therefore doesn't have that incentive. And then, then there's also a little bit of a cultural rift. I find that um, Mexicans like to play in Major League Soccer, but they don't necessarily go to Europe. Um, that's maybe a cultural thing too. Although I find, um, you know, Chicharito is of course a trailblazer, but Marco Fabian is now over there too. Um, you have the, the Mexicans in Porto. So maybe there's a little bit of a change coming and um, maybe it's also, you know, the sort of money that you need um, to to bring the league to the next level. Because, of course, we're talking a little bit of st about structural things this week as well when it comes to League MX. But it's a very good point, Bryce, because you see a lot of inflated prices. One of the reasons why no club has gone for Jürgen Damm, for example, for a very long time. Or in Hollywood, of course, if you would say he is because he's in grade. But there was a time where he was the next hot thing, right, out of Mexico. But the the, the problem was that he was very expensive. Uh, he, he commanded a high salary and a high transfer fee, so a lot of European teams didn't go for that. Um, so the, the question is maybe once prices come down or maybe once you can exploit exit clauses a little bit better, maybe that will change. Uh, I have a funny anecdote for you when I uh, one of my favorite football manager players, uh, Adrian, was a guy named Adrian Sosa. I found him. Uh, for 8 million euros, um, he was actually a regen, but I found him for 8 million euros playing for a club America. And then he, he in 440 games, scored 550 goals for me. So it was an absolute <laughs> steal. <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. And I, I just I, love that. You know, when you, when you find a player like that and it's just like incredible, right? It's just the guy worked out so well. And he, I bought him as an attacking midfielder and then I by chance put him up, up front as a single striker and he couldn't stop scoring. It was just amazing. So I feel like clubs look for this kind of stuff. I mean, yes, this football manager, it's not a reality, it's a computer game, but I find oftentimes clubs look for those kind of players. Wow, those are some stats. I, th I think any team in the world would be happy to, to have a player like that. And it's it's funny, isn't it? I, th I think quite a few clubs in real have used um, football manager or championship managers over the years, you know, to... Um, come up with uh, new ideas, new players. Um, I, I also feel that, Manu, you and I could probably do a podcast on football manager alone, our experiences as a kid. So the two of us always say we'd like to go back there, but just too busy these days, mm. uh, unfortunately. But very, very addictive game. I think the only Mexican player I ever attempted to sign was Ochoa, and, and that was when he was very young. But we'll get back to reality, I think. Um yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the only thing that Liga MX could end up being a victim of its own success, you know, uh, more money um, coming into the league, uh, especially if they can if they can try and sort something out with possible investors. And obviously these TV rights that we're, we've been harping on about for a little while now, uh, th th I suppose they could price out some of the young talent. But um, uh, yeah, I've, I quite enjoyed your comment on Jurgen Dam as well. Um, I'm glad you uh, said it rather than I did because uh, Ollie would only be disappointed if he didn't. But um, mm -hmm. uh, let's let's slightly move away from uh, from what's happening over in Europe and le let's bring it back uh, to Liga MX uh, and talk about a big question, a big topic going around at the moment about uh, promotion and relegation into uh, Liga MX uh, and the Essential. Uh, Manu, the, there's talk that they may ban it or or suspend it at the moment they're trying to come up with uh, different ideas um it all seems a bit ludicrous to me at the moment i mean we know that uh, league mx is done a little bit differently we we mention it rather often in case we do have new listeners and it's obviously they have short seasons you know they play each other once they go to knockouts um off they go you know and the knockout wins the whole thing uh but relegation is done a little bit different in that it's a space of an average over three seasons and whoever has the worst average their cruise at the moment um will be going down but uh, there's talk that they're going to suspend this for a little bit well why exactly is this manu and th this can't be a healthy thing 
for the league. I mean, it's just also going to strengthen the case for a longer league where everyone plays each other twice. Uh, two or three go up, two or three go down. Yeah, uh, I, I am a big proponent of promotion and relegation. I, I personally believe that it is the foundation of, of the football, of any football league pyramid is promotion and relegation. I'm a big proponent of having promotion and relegation in Major League Soccer here in North America. I think it's, it's the foundation of, of the sport that if you do well, you win and you get a title. And if you are poor, do you get relegated? It's, it's the way football has been the most successful sport on this planet. It has outshined all the other sports that are out there. Um, it's because of that mechanism. It's because it's able to weed out the bad from the good. Um, or allow clubs to self-cleanse themselves by going down. Um, it also creates a foundation, a deep pyramid in, in the game. I, I believe that if you have a deep pyramid that goes down several levels, um, then you, you will get a bigger pool of players playing and that will help you to develop the game in your country. Um, one of the big failures of the United States is that it doesn't have that, that there is no league pyramid and um as a result they don't have um that same attachment to the game than we have in Europe for example um i mean it starts already that if you play in a lower division in many of the european countries you technically are playing within the same closed pyramid than the top stars do right um you technically through cup competition can even play in the same cup competition than they do don't have that um of course there's an open cup in the united states of course there's cobra mx in mexico but um, eliminating promotion and relegation, even if it's to quote unquote fix structural issues, will not change uh, anything for the better. It will only make things worse. And I, I really firmly believe that. I mean, we're looking, we're looking at some examples that we have in Liga MX right now, right? Uh, Veracruz have been a bad team for years. Uh, really been abysmal. Same with Carretaro, um, a team that should have been relegated a while ago and then just bought the team that went up. Um, you know, no one wants to see them, but they, they're basically, uh, perpetually closed into this competition and they can stay in it because of the way the system works. Um, even right now, Liga MX has promotional relegation, but it's a quite closed system. And the other thing is, I think it adds a certain amount of drama that is very important to the game. Um, we all rave. How many times have we raved about Morelia, Bryce, um, since we've been on this pod? This, the story that this club managed to survive on the last day of the season and, um, stayed in the league and then produced the, the best player, right? Uh, the, the best goal scorer. And, and this, these are things that you don't have. If you eliminate promotion and relegation, yeah, great. You have the playoffs and teams are playing for the playoffs, but essentially eight teams will be left with nothing and i think i think that is that is it's a bad idea all around it seems like it's right now it's all talk um there's um moratoriums out there and ideas floating around that you close it for four years and let uh, the ascensio team figure out stuff but no one is going to invest into a team in the second division if there is no clear path to the first division it's just not how it's going to be we just had an example in in north america where the Tamborbury Rowdies put in a lot of investment was put into the team because they're a second division team in the United States. And um, then they failed to land an MLS franchise because that was the idea. The owner bought this team in the lower divisions and then hope put all the money in and hoped that the team would get a spot in Major League Soccer. Now they didn't. And now the team is up for sale and might be dissolved, right? Owners don't put money in if there's no path to success. That's just how it is. And if you have a closed league system, you will, of course, get a lot of money from the few owners that you will get into the system, but you don't have limitless funds that you get if teams and if owners put money into lower division sites. And that's why you need promotion and relegation. It renews the game. It brings in new investment. It, it makes the game flow and it, it, it forces teams down if they're bad. So I, I think any, anyone who proposes the closing of promotion and relegation is out of their mind. Uh, that's personally how I feel about it. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. 
I think if you've been really bad, as you've mentioned, your Kerataro and Vera Cruz, God, it's getting to the stage where even Chivas could be talked in there, but that's a discussion for another time. Uh, but you know, if you've been that bad for that long, then you should be penalised for it, you know. And if you're in the league below and you want some incentive, it's got to be that you can get up and you know play against the big guys, you know. Uh, I mean, th- that's the way it should work. You should be rewarded for for playing well and, and hard work, and then you should be penalised for for. De- being bad, um, but I, I, I agree. I, th- I think what I suppose you're saying, Manu, is um, you know people will invest, you know, possibly in uh, in the Liga MX sides. I know that they struggle for investment anyway. But again, that could be another discussion. Uh, but you know, if you're, you know, if, looking at the relegation table here. You know, if if you look at it and you go, okay, Veracruz, things are looking pretty grim at the moment. But you know, once Veracruz go, then if you take Veracruz, Carataro, Atlas are actually quite low. Your Puebla, your Lobos. I mean, say any of these clubs are looking for an investor, you're going to turn around and look at this and go, I ain't investing in those clubs. You know, I'm, I'm, why would I invest in a club that's possibly going to go down? You know, I want to stick my money into a club that's going to be there next season and they're going to stay up and they're going to be sturdy. I mean, people talk about it in the Premier League that that's why there's such a stall with Newcastle at the moment not being taken over because all of a sudden things were looking good. The investor was interested. Then they started to slide down the table and the investor goes, well, I want to invest in a Premier League side. I do not want to invest in a championship side. So I can understand from that point of view, investors saying that, but it's going to absolutely kill the essential because nobody's going to invest in that. You're going to want to invest in the league where there's going to be the money. So it's not going to make it a more even playing field. It's not going to make it a more competitive playing field, I feel. You're, you're going to have 18 teams um, possibly get stronger over the year, and the essential is, is going to go. It's, it's going to die because of this. And what's that going to do for you know, creating better players, Mexican players, well, it's, it's going to affect them as well, you know, because there's going to be a very small percentage of Mexicans that are playing football will get to play in this league and the rest of them don't have a league to go to or have a league of such poor quality that's, you know, that it's going to be too big um, a, a gap, I feel, you know, so I, I feel it's going to be shooting themselves in the foot. The guys who are pumping the money into the um, Liga MX sides, you know, they're going to be the sides that are obviously not going to want a relegation and promotion um, structure because they, they they want their assets, you know, to be secure and in the in the top division. I, I can understand that, but it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bad thing for Mexican football. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm. Yeah, that's the, that's the question, right? Owners, owners hate promotion and relegation. They always have because it, it adds a little bit of uncertainty. Um, but at the same time, um, there was a really good interview on Cobra 90 with Eric Vanalda. And Eric Vanalda, of course, um, ran for the USSF presidency on promotion and relegation. And surprise, surprise, he didn't win it. Um, wonder what happened there, but he was a very big proponent of it because he believes that you will actually pump, be able to pump more money into the game. Not necessarily to the individual clubs in the top division, but into the game overall, right? Because all of a sudden there's a foundation. If you have a strong world promotion relegation format, there's a, there's, there's a foundation for the top division. And the foundation for the top division are the lower divisions of from which teams come up or go down. They produce young players for your top division. As uh, the same I mean in Liga MX, how of the time do we talk about not being enough young players there? Well, where are they supposed to come from? You can't just delegate the second division to a, to a youth league um, or a league where you you know have your young players play. Um, the idea is quite simple that the the foundation has to be there. Um, because if, if you have just a second division and it's always going to be a second division, no one is going to be interested or just, no one's interested in just making young players, right? Everyone is interested in making young players so that you become a great side. But if you are a side perpetually stuck in a second division, you're not going to invest in youth infrastructure. 
And that's what I'm saying, trying to say. So owners hate promotion and relegation, but it's because they're short-sighted. They don't understand that it's, that it's actually kind of, as you said, shooting themselves in the foot because it does actually hurt the product in itself. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, <laughs> I think the two of us can agree that, um, yeah, uh, we're, we're strong, um, strong believers in the, uh, the setup of, uh, promotion and relegation. And I would be very surprised, um, if you, if, if you didn't have that, um, attitude as well. And, and if you don't, then you probably are an investor in one of the clubs. Mm-hmm. But, um, let, let's talk a little bit about the league then. We, we mentioned about how uh, relegation works. Um, I very quickly touched on how the league structure is set up. It's two short leagues over the period of time. Majority of the other leagues uh, around the world we, would operate like the uh, the big European ones. Uh, I mean, Manu, the, there's quite a few um, well-respected um, Mexican uh, journalists um, or reporters um, that would say that they would prefer a longer league and that they feel it would be better for the players, better for the teams. It would make a more sturdy, structured uh, division, um, Liga MX. Uh, what, what's your opinion? Yeah, I, I, I like the format as it is. Um, I, I think what it does, it ensures... Um, it ensures that it, that what doesn't happen when you have a format like that. And that's actually something that I like about Major League Soccer as well, by the way. Um, I might be for promotion and relegation, but I do actually like the fact that it's competitive. Both Liga MX and Major League Soccer are a lot more competitive than any of the European leagues. You look around Europe right now. We have Bayern on top of the table of 18 points, Manchester City on top of the table in in England with 16 points, and I believe Barcelona are 16 points ahead of Real Madrid at the moment as well. That's not competitive leagues. Um, in most European leagues, we have limited the amount of teams that can win the league to a handful. Um, England, everyone talks about how much more competitive England is over Germany, for example, but the reality is in the last 20 years, only four different teams won it. Same in Germany. Um, Italy is even worse. So that is a nightmare. That is a nightmare for competitiveness. And I believe that the current structure actually ensures there's a lot of, of course, you can complain a lot about it and the fact that it's short and it doesn't allow, it doesn't allow for long-term planning because it's always about, about 17 games. Hey, come on. Let's don't kid ourselves. Coaches get fired if they lose five games in a short season or in a long season. That's just how it is. That's how football is. No team ever operates long-term. Um, I think that's wishful thinking. Um, if you go based on that, um, the, the league allows you to mix it up. The competition, that's, that's one great thing about Liga MX. That's what drove me to Liga MX initially is the, the current format allows it for any team to win it, right? Yes, of course, the Monterey's, the Americas, the Tigers will be more likely to win it in the end of the day. But look at Chivas. They won the Clausura last year, right? That would not have maybe happened in, in a, in a year long season. So you get different champions. Um, all the time and there as a result you get a deeper more even more competitive league and uh, that's I think that is that is very important um, when, when you look at the format it allows that and so I, I wouldn't change that at all I think what I would change to Bryce is the, the promotion and relegation uh, the way it works um, I, I might would I would personally maybe put away with the, the three year long thing and uh, change it to something different Manu, would you um would you make it that so then a club would go down at the end of the the shorter season? So there's two switches every calendar year, will we say? Um, or would you say that the, a, a team is an average out instead of over three years, it's just over one year? Yeah, I would do one year. I like um, Ricardo La Volpe's comment um, that was tweeted out earlier today. Uh, the maybe the solution to Liga MX's pro uh, relegation problem doesn't have to be so complicated. Lavolpe suggested a two up to down system based on points won over the two short seasons, right? So you take yeah. the table, the full table at the end of the season, the two teams that finish last over the full two uh, full season, they go down and they get replaced by the two teams that maybe won the league up below them in the two playoffs. Problem solved. 
that easy. Bang, done. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's much better. It, it, it's going to be less drama than what's happening at the moment, but it, it's going to actually have the best teams playing together. I mean, at the moment, we, we obviously mentioned that the, the bottom team was down over the average of points for the three years, but they don't necessarily go. I mean, they, they have a playoff as well, don't, don't they, Manu, against the team that, <laughs> this goes on and on, but the team that wins the Essential, the league before or below, um, the one that wins that or gets into the playoffs wins that. Then the next time round gets into the playoffs wins that. Then the winner of those two playoff champions, they, they would face each other and then they play the playoff um, into the league against the, the team that's bottom of the league above. So it's an awful long-winded process. And yes, lots of drama, but does it actually get you the best side to come up? I don't know whether it does or it just gets the team that's most efficient out of a knockout phase. I don't really know. It's a difficult one to call. Um, but yeah, I must say that that's what has attracted me to watching League MX as well is obviously the attacking football, um, the, the madness that can happen on the pitch, um, lesser the madness off the pitch sometimes, I suppose. But, um, yeah, the, the fact that it's, it's quite a short, campaign really you know and it's it's quite exciting it's quite explosive and mm. yeah it opens it up that anyone can win it so i absolutely agree with that um chief has there's no way that they were the favorites going into that closer this time last year no chance and they were fantastic they, they were something different they were refreshing the two campaigns after that they've been dreadful you know so so it always leaves it quite interesting i mean look at how poor pumas have been for this last year manu and they're sitting top of the top of the closer at the moment, you know. I like that. <laughs> yeah, he changes all the time. Well, obviously you like that one, yeah, of course. Uh, but you know, we talked about um, Morelia, you know, uh, or Monacos, you know. This time last year, the end of the closer, they had a game that you know they were going to be uh, relegators, and I mean, going into that relegation playoff, that that was then done practically. And if they won their game, then they went to the playoffs you know it's that, that's fantastic you know when when, when does that ever happen they went into the the, the gear and you know it's, i suppose a year later you look at them and actually monarchists are a very strong side now so it's very it can change all the time and i almost feel that they've made these changes because that's often what the world is like now you know it's, it's hard to keep people's attention spans mm. and this is a little bit different it separates them from the rest of the world you know the of football in, in doing this. Um, there's, is it Chile? Maybe that's, uh, do this as well, but there's yeah. not many. Colombia many too. Com- Colombia does oh, it Columbia. as well. And Venezuela as well. Oh, so there's, there's more and more to come along, but yeah. there's generally, there's not that many, is there, that, that mm. operate this way. And it's, I think it's quite refreshing. And I suppose you, they're operating in, in this format and they're, they're still practically the biggest league outside of Europe. In the world, so yeah. so clearly they're doing something right. They're popular, sure, but um, I don't know. I I think it's um it, it's it's a more interesting format. I I think another discussion discussion could be what it does for El Trey, but um, but you know I, what? Maybe to wrap this up, Bryce. Um, what's the most successful not soccer league uh, in terms of television revenue out there? Think about it. Which league is it? It's, na- it's in the National Football League, right? Yeah, it's gotta be, right? Throwball. How, how many games do they have a season? Stro- 16. Right? They have 16 yeah. games a season. That's it. It's, it's brilliant. It makes it a premium product because there and isn't that many games and then they're playoffs. Every game matters. And that is, that yeah. is, I think that is something that is just so fantastic about it. It's a perfect marriage of having a league season and a playoff. I, I personally Very think the, the, the format is spectacular. Why change it? Yeah. Well, I think that more or less does it. I think yeah. we can move on happily. We're, we're both pro for it. Just not um, so for the relegation. Oh, yeah. That, that, that needs to, the re- promotion relegation needs to stay. It'd be, it'd be uh, suicidal to get rid of it. Yeah, that's it. And maybe even change the way that that's yeah. set up as well. But, um, Let's move on. We, we've 
we've came in, we've uh, we've covered that all right. Um, let's talk about the games this week then. Let, let's talk about the uh, game MX, uh, what we've seen over the weekend, and we did mention that Tigres Club America was going to be the uh, biggest game of the weekend, and it certainly was. Um, finishing a one all in that one. Um, Manu, who's Who's this uh, a victory for exactly? You know, is, is this better for Tigres or better for Club America? I mean, America does mean that they're sitting in second. Uh, Tigres, we wonder whether they would have one eye on on their uh, intercontinental uh, competitions. Oh, I mean, probably a, a victory more for America away from home, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll put money on this right now, Bryce. Tigres will be hovering around 8th, ninth, 10th until about three match days before the end and then win all those three games and go into the playoffs and then probably still manage to make the final somehow um, because that's just how they are. We've seen that so many let times. Me, let, me just, let me just guess that uh, Gignac will turn up um, and yeah. he'll, well, he'll go into, into sixth gear in those last three games. Yeah, exactly. So I, I personally, this sounds really weird, I personally think they just don't care right now. <laughs> they just oh, okay. they, they they focus so much and keep in mind the CONCACAF Champions League actually starts next week um, they have a game against Herediano in the um, on Tuesday um, so we'll, we'll actually have a preview on that on, on Football Sidaja by the way um, so that starts next week and yes that's an easier game for them because it's in, it's against the champion or one of the Costa Rican teams right um, but at the same time, going out of the stage would be, <laughs> well, that would be very embarrassing. So they, they, I think they probably have more focus on that right now than they have on, on the domestic season. Um, and I, I'll, I'll put money on this right now. They just don't, I don't think they care that much. I think, of course, they don't want to lose every game, but I think their focus is just somewhere else. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I think you could have hit the nail on the head with that one. I mean, it was a evenly fun contest, and yeah, I I could see it more or less going that way too. Um, and uh, well, I was maybe not seeing the best domestically from Tigres for a little while, uh, but um, both French players scoring uh, in this game, so um, I'd imagine that that would have done uh, both clubs and the game exam actually. You know, some goods, you know, to the people of, uh, that are tuning in from France uh, will have got, obviously, a bit of satisfaction out of that. But also, you never know, it may just get uh, a few new French followers as well. So, um, uh, a, a good thing, I think. But um, let's move on to, well, I suppose one of the, the biggest moments of... Uh, of the weekend was that Landon Donovan finally made an appearance in Landy Cakes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, here he is. He only played um, nine minutes. He, he came on on the 81st and, well, if we're being honest, I mean... I had to rather, go to get a milkshake. <laughs> yeah, he. it was rather uneventful, wasn't it? And I mean, when he burst forward on one or two occasions... He, he looked like he was he was struggling a little bit, and I mean, yes, the uh, the altitude is going to be quite difficult up there, but um, he didn't exactly look his sharpest as well. So I I think it'll take a, another few games before that actually happens. Mm. Yeah, I, I I would go along with that. I I love the fact that they sent out that tweet though. Uh, that was uh, that was hilarious. Did you see that, Bryce? That, <laughs> that was brilliant marketing. I mean, when that came through, it was actually all he sent it to us, didn't he? He goes. The hell's going on here? Is, is Donovan staying going? What, what's going on? Very, very smart move by them because I, I fell for it as well. If I'm being honest, yeah, I mean, I think we all did, and then I, I, everyone did. I think fell for it, and then they're like, ah, oh, it's a friendly. 
<laughs> so clever, yeah. clever stuff. That that's it. They more or less said that um, uh, London is going back to America, and we were like, oh, this must have been you know a whole publicity stunt the whole time. And it turns out that yes, he's going back, but for a friendly that they have got planned for San Jose in in March, actually the end of March. So oh. so yes, that would explain us. End of March. So that's I guess that's doing the international break. Um, yeah, it, looking up my miles right now. How, how expensive is the yeah. flight down to San Francisco? <laughs> <laughs> any excuse, any excuse for it. Eh? Um, if only it was so uh, easy for myself as well. Uh, but um, yeah, and just, um, let, let's move on to other big news from the weekend. So we haven't got too much time no. now, I suppose. Um, Toluca managed to beat uh, Monterey. I don't, don't think many people would have uh, caught all this. Uh, going into it, a uh, 2-0 victory. Uh, 2-1, um, Bryce. 2-1 victory. Sorry, of course, Monterey scored a slip of the tongue there. But um, made a little bit easier by Hurtado getting sent off um, early doors. So, um, yeah, unexpected. Um, that does push um, your side um, to the top of the table. But um, uh, just a bad day at the office, will we say, Manu? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, that's, that is their first defeat, but they haven't looked. This has been pretty much something that we have commented on quite a bit, right? At times they look like the team that did so well in the Apertura, but at times it's just not there, um, I find. So that's a good question, Bryce. Um, I, I think that's something that we have to really keep an eye on because what if this becomes endemic, right? Uh, something that is um keeps going um yeah so very very good question i i personally think that there is a little bit of the spark is gone from the upper tour um season but that said i mean they're still second um with 11 points uh that's only their first defeat i guess it was bound to happen uh, anyway sorry the third uh, my table was slipping down the third but you know that it's at this stage of the season um a third through I, they will still finish in the top half of the standings, of the playoff standings, right? Which is so important. And that said, um, if, if Tigers do what I expect them to do, finishing first might not be the best thing in the world anyways, because you could get Tigers in the first half, in the first uh, round of the playoffs, right? Because they might actually finish <laughs> seventh, yeah. sixth or eighth because they won't care and then just turn it on in the playoffs. And then you, you finish in the top half of the league and then you get Tigers in the first round. So you'd, you'd feel pretty hard done by if you yeah. won it. Uh, you came top as Pumas and be like, "We're back," and then you had to play them, who will no doubt just hit form, as you said. Yeah. So it's it's an odd one because we've seen this uh, before, but yeah, I I I think Monterey um, it's something that they need to watch um, on the one hand, but on the other hand, um, it's going to be curious. I'm curious to see if this is going to be endemic because it's kind of been up and down performance wise for them, right? Um, at this half of the season. So you have like a yeah. great performance and then a mediocre one, a great performance, mediocre one. It hasn't been like every match day was amazing last season for them. Yeah, I mean, looking at their next two games, you know, I just suppose we'll be able to tell a little bit more then, but you almost get the impression that they're, they'll probably do something like they'll, they'll beat Cruz Azul next, who haven't been great um, this campaign after looking like they'd ironed out some issues in the last one. And then they'll go and lose to Nakaxa or something the game after, I I feel. Uh, that's just the way you feel them when you don't know what you're going to get from them, you know, brilliance or, or whether they're just a side that's almost look like Tigres, look like, you know, they, they don't care or something's just a, not quite clicking this time around. Uh, I mean, again, if they win their next two games, we'll be saying, yeah, there's no problems here at all, but, I think it, it could go either way at the moment. They'll they'll still qualify, won't they? But uh, yeah, not not quite looking um, as sharp as they did. So let, let's talk about a side that are looking sharp. Um, team that you are rather attached to, and that's how Pumas mm-hmm. setting up on top. Six games, four wins, two draws, and no losses. Things are looking pretty good for them. I mean, I didn't call this. I I I. I've only seen them play poorly in the last year, and I, I didn't think they they would come out into the closer and start playing like this. They they've looked really good. Yeah, 
they have looked really good. Um, and it's, I think the biggest thing for them is, of course, that is Nico Castillo is fit. Um, I think that is, that is the number one thing. Um, when he's fit, he is among the best players in that league, right? And it will be sadly only a matter of time until he, he is, he's gone. Um, but it's, it's interesting. It's some of the players that, and <laughs> Ollie, you called this. It's too bad you're not here, but, um, Alustiza, right? Who came in and Ollie said, yeah, that could be a really good signing for them. Um, remember that? Um, yeah, that's smart, right. smart man is Ollie guys. Too bad he's lost in Sweden, but that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, Another he's, been, day. he's been taking lots of shots from distance for them and which is in the altitude is a great thing to do, right? Especially when you play at home. Um, another signing that I personally really like is Marcelo Diaz. Uh, he came, of course, in already last year, right? But it, it took him, well, not last year, but in, in the upper tour, but it took him some time to, to settle down. And I think he's really given them good shape in midfield. Um, the Chilean rock has, it's been a really good signing for them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, just a couple tweaks really here and there and the side is, is good. I mean, they were probably better on, on paper too than their last place finish in the upper tour. Let's be honest here. I mean, that was, um, a lot worse than they should have done, but it's, you know, projecting wise, they should have probably finished mid table somewhere, right? With the players that they had. So it's not like the, the, the drop or the rise of the squad looks a lot more than it actually is in actual fact, because they had a good team already. It's just that they needed a few tweaks here and there. And, um, that comes maybe also down to Patino, the head coach. He's been doing a very good job. He's been very flexible with his formations. You know, he's switching back and forth between the 4411 uh, or 44442 or 4231 and, just getting the best out of his players. And remember too, they have actually another player on the bench now and Torres, another striker who has the talent, hasn't really always shown it. He scored 14 goals in major league soccer last year. And so if they can get him going too, they will actually get two good strikers up front, which is, um, going to be really important in case, you know, something happens with, with Castillo. Um, you never know. Um, and that's, that is, in my opinion, maybe another big step up that they, they now know that they have a, there's a plan B, right? In place. Um, on top of Alostiza, who has been a good addition. It's 33, Bryce. That's remarkable that, you know, he comes in and really, really changes things up for the squad. Yeah, he's doing a hell of a job there, isn't he? And as you said, it just seemed to be tiny changes. And that's probably why I didn't think that they were going to do it as well as they did. These tiny teams I thought weren't big enough for them and mm. how wrong I was, you know, it's, it's good. It's good to see them doing well and it seems like a little bit of pressure has, uh, been taken off, uh, Castillo as well, as well, or Castillo. Um, you know, because I mean, it, it was down to if he didn't score, no one scored, you know, so, mm. so it's good. It's, it, it's a good thing for the league. Um, they've got two exciting games coming up next. Well, exciting for them. They've got Vera Cruz. Um, which shouldn't be any problems. And then after that, they've got uh, Cholos, who, um, yeah, managed to lose to Karataro this weekend. So, so yeah, lot, lots of interesting times, but things are looking pretty good in the Pumas, um, camp. Uh, and that means that Manu is rather happy. No, right? I, uh, that's, <laughs> I can't, I can't wait. I mean, by the time of this pod comes out, we're not going to dash into detail. We will discuss these games because the, actually it's match day, this midweek match race. Uh, fitting to Champions League. And of course, it's because of the CONCACAF Champions League kicking off next week. Um, so I don't want to get into too much detail, but uh, I am going to enjoy that game tomorrow night, uh, 7 yeah. p.m. kickoff, um, my time. It's uh, probably too early for anyone <laughs> in Europe to watch, but uh, that should be it should be a great game. I think it's 4 o'clock your, tw- your time, 4 o'clock in the morning, right, Bryce? You are almost right. It's at 3 a.m. by me. So yeah. Much. You sleepless in London or wherever you are based in the UK, that will be yeah, the game for you. During the week, that's one of the hours that I actually try to get some sleep. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll probably not tune into that one. But if you're up watching the uh, Winter Olympics, that's and you don't fancy whatever event does come on, you've always got League MX to tune into. So, um, yeah, uh, matter just before we go, um, I must say that I'm rather excited to hear how um, Atlas get on against Nakaxa. Nakaxa um, have 
well, they've looked uh, fairly, fairly good in the last three campaigns compared to the situation that they had beforehand. Um, but Atlas, rock bottom at the moment of the Clausera. Even Lobos, um, climbed above them, and it was Lobos who were 1-0 down against them at halftime and came back to beat them 3-1. I mean, we know that Lobos can score, but, I mean, good Lord, if you can't score more than one goal against Lobos, then, you know, you really do have problems. So, um, I think um, we've more or less uh, ran out of time today, but I feel that another Atlas loss, and, yeah, that could be a hot topic on the next podcast as well. So, I I think we'll call it there. And and so, all we can say is... um, for people to check out the Mexicans uh, that will be featuring uh, for Porto uh, in the next few days in the Champions League, but also um, to tune in and you know try and catch some uh, maybe midweek games if you if you're up or, or doing a night shift, you know. Um, Manu, anything else you'd like to uh, promote? There's always stuff going on at football, right? Yeah, the Concacaf Champions League games are next week, so um, four Mexican sides involved in that. Uh, the of course, Tigers are taking on Herodano uh, on Tuesday, and um, Club America taking on the other Costa Rican side uh, on Wednesday in Deportivo Saprisa, which is actually, I think, they're probably the game of the round to watch, um, other than um, Colorado against Toronto, but that's for a different podcast, so not going too much into that. Um, Tijuana are playing uh, Mortagua. Remember, this is one of the games that I moved because of the the problems down in Honduras. Uh, we mentioned this. That's on, on Wednesday as well. And then uh, Chivas are playing Cibao uh, on, on Thursday. Um, so, yeah, these are all taking place next week. And I believe all of these games are on Facebook, uh, free to watch. So if you if you want to watch some of those games, uh, I highly suggest the, the Tigers-Herigiano game on Tuesday night. I think that's, that's a good one to watch. And the... Club America Deportivo Saprissa game. I think that's another one. Saprissa Stadium in San Jose. I've been there, Bryce. Oh, that place. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great place um, to watch some football. So that's definitely was one to tune in. Wednesday night, 5 p.m. I believe that's really early in the morning for you. <laughs> so <laughs> you do the, 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 the time calculations for me, but some, some really good football games going on. Yeah, love the end. Yeah, whether you're a fan of Facebook or not, I think you will be a fan just to get some free football viewed on there. So yeah, definitely, um, definitely log on, even if uh, even if it's been a while, just to check out those games. That will be that on is, the Concacaf page uh, before I forget to mention that. So that's C O N C A C A F. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I'd probably be one of those people that's scrambling around trying to yeah. find it, uh, but. Um, yeah, I think that more or less covers everything. And yeah, more or less what we're saying is there's tons of football going on. So uh, try and make time for it, yeah. you know. And if you haven't got time for it, you know, make time for it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's there's always going to be um, different uh, articles, uh, previews, uh, and match reports and all sorts on football grads. Um, so if, if you even head over on Twitter to at football grad live, Guys, there's a ton of articles, interesting things on there, and tons of podcasts as well. So, um, yeah, uh, head over there if you need an extra fix of uh, football, I think, um, between these games. But um, I suppose that that more or less does it for today, Manu. Doesn't it? Mm. Where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, people can find me at Manuel Weff. And, um, of course, follow the, the page, right, Bryce, at Football Grad Live. Um, the, actually, the Liverpool Porto preview. It's out. Chris Williams did that. So it's out and he, he highlights actually some of the Mexicans in, in the preview. So go check that out. That's at foosballstart.com. Nice one. Nice. And yeah, that more or less does it. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. Um, yeah, hopefully next time round we'll be able to talk about the midweek games and the weekend games. Um, yeah, the CONCACAF games and we'll we'll have our Swedish um, counterpart on with us as well uh, but uh, until then thanks very much for tuning in uh, we'll speak to you soon and goodbye We 
we can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.